going on guys 360 digital closing bell here i am your humble humble correspondent michael Tanner, coming to you for our week look back podcast episode number 35 here in this gorgeous july 24th joined as always by the executive producer of the show the purveyor of the show and the director of public publisher of the world's greatest website oilandgas360.com Stuart turley how you doing this morning my man i'm doing fantastic it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood it is really good. I am excited. We have a great, great, great show for you guys lined up. We're going to whip around the oil patch, pretty much cover all of the crazy earnings that happen. We're going to check in with the levels and the uh, DOE dashboard that we have up on the Oil & Gas 360 website, which I'm excited to show you. Um, check in with inventory levels. And then the 360 official, non-official funds still suspended, but we will cover some things. Looking, to, But first, guys, I need to talk to you about my friends at Adamantine Energy and what they're doing for social risk in the energy space. Guys, social risk is not just community opposition to development projects it's everything from the success from the divest from fossil fuels movement to all this investor engagement that's going around all your esg programs to all these individual states setting these really crazy ambitious decarbonization agendas. it really it seems like it's everywhere and to be quite honest it's moving fast and multiplying like zombies and that's why your company needs a strategic partner that to help prepare you and assess for all of these shareholder institutional pressures on your peer companies aspirational and regulatory changes that are driving energy policy and the perception of where you and your headquarters operate all this anti-gas climate divest into this local community organization that's impacting how you can roll your operations we're going to talk about a supreme court ruling that the fallout of it could affect 25 percent of oklahoma 25 percent based on one supreme one it's why you need to partner with adam Etienne energy they're leading consultancy helping oil and gas companies prepare for all of this social they're led by tisha Schuler, who's the former ceo of the colorado oil and gas association and she also is the host of probably the is one of the best is a podcast that covers these issues the energy thinks podcast because if you're not listening to her she just is next week she's releasing it in uh um, an interview with Alan Armstrong, who's the CEO of uh, Williams Companies, and uh, let me I've I actually you know, full disclosure I edit her podcast I've listened to it it's wild great interview I'm excited for you guys here check that out Energy Thinks podcast you should also read her both things are true weekly newsletter which you can find at EnergyThinks.com subscribe to all things Adam and Teen Energy we love them there Stu it's a wild interview yeah, she, she it's a big hitter she's got over there it's unbelievable the stack of lineup I I can't officially release the schedule but it's been sent to me she they pull in some big ones i highly recommend checking that out i'd also recommend subscribing to this show because there's no best way to stay updated on your energy finance stuff follow the 360 digital closing bell itunes spotify youtube for our live show every single day which is really really awesome we go live on youtube every single day at 2 p.m mountain standard time for about 10 15 minutes covering what happened in overall in the overall i could work specifically when it comes to the energy markets guys you should also follow everything oil and gas 360 on twitter linkedin facebook we're live we, we post all the time connect with me and Stu. you can find everything at the world's greatest web site www.oilandgas360.com what's also there is the energy 360 podcast which is the one that Stu runs and this is an awesome podcast guys basically it's the place for energy thought leadership we have over 50 episodes that we have done interviewing everybody from energy technology leadership to esg management and then all the way to, to, to operations people like specifically we're going to talk about an oxy well that they use a lot of propping on and they hopefully use one of the companies that we talked to and so uh um it's a great one Stu. what do you have rolling out here next week is it a big week coming up oh uh we do uh we have brad uh, mcpherson from uh, inveris he is the director in oklahoma and he and i chatted 
about Oklahoma uh, spacing, uh, which is a new Inveris product, which is just unbelievable. Then we have another one um, the, from Inveris coming up. And then we also have um, TGS uh, that's coming out as well, too. And that's we a great interview. That is was a great interview with two great people. You bet. And then we have another one from Dan Genovese, uh, our uh, consultant, uh, director of consulting services. Uh, that one's coming out as well, too. So we got a, a stacked week. Yeah, no, we have a big week coming next week. And and then sooner or later, it's going to be conference time. We're about to be, you know, wildly busy coming up here. So it's going to be a great show. Guys, I think that's all for clerical work. Just please connect with the show. Um, we really appreciate the support. When we look at what happened this week, I mean, I've got, I've got, a, we've got a couple stories here. Stu's got something. I, you know, really, my main takeaway was 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 service company earnings. I think that was kind of the big bucket that happened. We saw Halliburton, Baker Hughes, and Schlumberger this morning announce earnings, and honestly, you get mixed signals from both. Halliburton released on Monday. You know, really not terrible. They were they, they reported actually a profit of about five cents per share, which is very interesting. Um, now they didn't necessarily um, revenues were uh, three point two billion, just a little bit below the expectations of three point three five billion. But they beat the key is their five cents sh- uh, per share beat the consensus of they were expected to lose about twelve cents a share. So not bad for Halliburton. Not great though. Remember they're mostly a U.S. based uh, corporation. So to see them necessarily necessarily down um wasn't necessarily a surprise per se i think it was more surprise that we're able to maybe turn a profit now if you between me and you i don't like earnings per share necessarily but when you want to talk about the you know the, the it's a number that analysts care about because it does. It talks about there is some validity to it. I'm not as big into it as other other people, but when you see them beat, you know, when you see them beat expectations on some of those big numbers, revenue, uh, uh, earnings per share, all that stuff, well, that, that, that's going to move. Now they're not necessarily trading per se any higher. If we go kind of pull up the chart here on Halliburton, uh, um, don't don't forget about the uh, uh, non-gap. Uh, measures that's being used right now, and that's EBIT, uh, EBITDAC uh, before COVID. EBITDAC, yeah, don't get me. Non-gap cash flow is one of my favorite oxymorons I've ever heard. I mean, Halliburton is trading for you know, you know, you know, markets open right now. We're actually recording this 7:30 a.m. for anyone who's listening on a Friday, July 24th. I mean, Halliburton's trading up; they're up from earnings. So I mean, there's clearly the consensus. You know, beating the consensus is really nice over there. We saw Baker Hughes drop on Wednesday, which was expected quarterly loss, and it was a little more than was actually expected. They actually had 20 cent earning. They had a 20 cents per share earnings last. Last week, when we look at revenue, um, where's their revenue numbers? Um, 4.74 billion for the quarter. And you can pretty, I mean, you think about how big these companies are, you're doing about 4 billion in revenue over a quarter and that's down. That's, you know, that's over a billion compared to last year. So, I mean, there are people still moving on here. When we go look at the charts for Baker Hughes, it's, I mean, it's not been great. Um, it has not um, it's not quite been good since earnings. Um, we it saw an initial pop, fell back down, and it rallied late yesterday, which is we saw oil food services was up about six percent yesterday. So all these companies, I think, are rallying off decent news. What's going to be very interesting here is when we look at what happened with Slumberjay because they announced this morning, Stu, not great, not great. Worldwide revenue 
a 5.4 billion decrease by 28% from the quarter before. International revenue, which was up last quarter, decreased by 4 or 4.1 billion decreased by 19%. Oof. North American oh. revenue, 1.2 billion decreased by 448%. Gap loss per share Two dollars and twenty and fifty-two cents. So this is generally this is this is what you want to carry about cash flow from operations. Only eight hundred and thirty, eight hundred and three million in free cash flow is about four hundred and sixty-five million. Not, not good for Halliburton. Not what we expected, Stu. No, uh, we expected some. You and I had talked about the lowering of the U.S. profitability, but I did not expect that. No, I didn't expect international revenue to drop 19%, you know, specifically. I think it's, yeah, I mean, you look at their, I mean, I mean you think about it. They do $1.1 billion in North American revenue. They do about $4.1 billion And, yeah, oof, it just, so th- when you see a, an international number drop that, well, that, that much for a company who's, 75% of their revenue is made overseas. That's why Schlumberger's, I mean, they're, they're not headquartered in Houston. They're, you know what I mean? They're headquarters over in France, I think. What is it? I don't know. Aren't they French? Are they a little French company? They probably got some sweet offices somewhere in the Riviera. Oh, I guarantee this CEO's got something sweet. Um, He's but well-deserved. It's a big company. I mean, it's a $5 billion. I mean, you talk about, they do about $20 billion a year. I mean, it's a pretty decent, yeah, it's, they're doing a lot of revenue. So my point being is this. Mix, we got mixed signals on on earnings, specifically when it comes to the service companies. I'll be interested to see. I mean, let's take a look right now. I mean, that's I would wager to bet SLBs getting pounded right now and eh, mixed signals. You see what I mean? Then this is why you don't really want to trade earnings because they're pretty neutral right now. I mean, they opened opened at 1962, took a nosedive to the 50 day moving average at 1919, and now we've sort of uh, moved its way back up, currently trading about 19.30. So who knows? Who really knows what's happening? I don't like those numbers just from a structural standpoint when you're trying to look at um, how, kind of what the health of the industry is. Clearly, North Americans continue to pull back. But, but see the international pull back a little bit because that's where Schlumberger comes in. Hi, yikes, Stu. I, it, it, that was, a, that was, that was a, not a tough one to read, but it was, it caught me off guard and it kind of, not I, I, it doesn't necessarily slap it. I mean, we've been this kind of goes against the thesis we've been running that, that that if you know any money should either be flowing into ESG or offshore. Yikes! I don't know. Yeah, uh, offshore has had some good news. Um, I, I, I'm talking international. Excuse me, international. Oh, okay. Uh, international offshore has had some good news, and uh, we'll cover that in the uh, international section. But COVID has been able to be. Uh, curtailed uh in the north uh sea and everything else so there has been good news coming out of the uh offshore sorry no no no. and i mean there's good news coming out everywhere i mean i've, I've got this 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 tweet that i've got here this this five well pad i showed i shared this with you this five well pad from oxy you want to you want to hear some production numbers that'll, 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 what's up 
Yeah, this is one of the best I've ever heard. That was it's cool. unbelievable. So I'll just read you guys this press release. So Occidental Petroleum scored a new company high IP24 in Lake County, New Mexico. In New Mexico. I mean, this is, you know, it's still, it's, it's end of the Permian. Roca- located in the Red Tank Field. I'm not even going to read the name of the well. It's long. Was completed. 51 stages. 25 million barrels of profit. Somebody is make, is still selling it, buying profit. And clearly it's Oxy. And they did a 10,000 foot lateral. And about, eh, works out to be about 2,400 pounds per foot. Which is pretty decent. 24 hour test. The well flowed 6,960 barrel of oil's equivalent. 80% oil cut. Or about six. 140 barrels of oil equivalent per 1,000 feet of lateral from a Bone Springs 24, 64-inch choke. You know, I don't even get all this junk. I don't even know what half this stuff means. In the first three months, Stu, though, the well flowed 328,550 barrels of oil equivalent or an IP90 of about three, so 90, 365 barrels of oil equivalent at an 82% oil cut. So some good news coming out for Oxy. They've got themselves a doozy. That five-wheel pad is about 28,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day for the whole five-wheel pad. That's flowing, baby. That's flowing. Um, it, I'd like to see some more detail on the uh, uh, parent-child on that and the reserves. It'd be kind of interesting to see that. They just gave us an overall view but didn't break it out. Yeah, and... That's the other side of the equation. I think that was what you saw. If you, you know, you, I'll, I'll link this tweet in the, uh, in the show notes. Oh, that was what half the comments said. Well, let's see the reserves. Let's, you know, because yeah, there's, you can spin this. I mean, it, regardless, it's a big number. The real question is you're using, I mean, we're looking at 10,000 foot lateral, 25,000 million pounds of profit, 51 stages. You know how much money they spent? Does, you know how much you know that's the, he, the, the, that 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 costs cash up front. That's not a cheap well to drill. And he, okay, even at twenty eight thousand barrels a day, like I'm no mathematician here, but like twenty, you know, especially at eighty percent. So what is it? Eighty percent oil cut. So we'll multiply right. that by point eight. It's about twenty two thousand times price of oil. Let's go look at our planes, all American. I haven't done this in a while. All American um, crude pricing. There we go. Crude oil bulletins. Let's find it. What are they? What are we buying crude oil for today? Okay. Blah 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 blah. 2020. Happen when you do stuff live. This is historical. So this is what you're buying in June. Yeah, I mean, let's see here. These are historical. I want the live ones. All right. Whatever. Forty bucks. Yeah. The one I'm looking at is forty-one oh seven. But cool. Forty-one oh seven. I mean, it's nine hundred thousand a day. So I mean, you depend on what your expenses are. I don't know. I don't. This, they clearly know the numbers better than I do. I doubt they're making this much per money, this much per day on that five well pad. And I bet you that number was a large. I mean, I bet you it was over fifty million for this five well pad. Let me throw this more. at you. Uh, let me throw this at you from a profitability standpoint. And um, just as Ring Energy is an example, uh, they have their well costs down because they are using uh, standard wells and not having to do that crazy long laterals. Uh, they've got their uh, cost down. I believe it's only, uh, I have to look at the number. I don't want to just throw it out there, but their percentage of profitability is significantly different. And if I'm going to look as an investor, I want percentage of profitability. 
Well, I think you bring up a good point. There's, you know, the vertical wells are so much cheaper to drill. And there's, if, if, if you know, if you're going to, if you're going to do a new well, uh, yeah, it's an interesting concept. I mean, you can't, uh, you know, assuming these numbers check out and I'll take Oxy at face value. I mean, we don't necessarily know what the relationship is like you mentioned, but I mean, it's that five wheel pads probably flowing 28,000 a day. I mean, they, I don't think they're just making this up. That does, that's not how it works. So I guess my, the, the question is how much are they actually making any money off that? Because the, yeah, it, you know, two years, you know, they, it, it, you drill that well three years ago, you don't make money on that for six, you know, a year and a half. Okay, because you you had the financing and it was just all about getting it done. You are not going to go get capital for those kind of wells. Exactly. Um, so and it's it's well, and that's the funny part. It's oxy. Where are they getting the cash from? That's that's the other thing. Like, what, what they've got cash? They just I got buddies who just got laid off by them. I had two of them. Where they got the cash? That's a lot of that, I mean, they just that's a lot of salaries you got to add up for a five well pad that's doing twenty eight thousand barrels of oil a day or twenty two. Yeah, the other one is uh, let's take the uh, Bone Springs versus the San Andreas. I mean, you got to take a look at those different areas that they're getting. Uh, call TGS. Hey, gotta call them. Gotta call them. I just thought that was wild, and there's so many different angles you can look at this. Um, I'm looking at the map they've got spun up. Wild, wild. So, Oxy has got some good stuff. Um, you've got a finance uh, story for us. Yeah, um, Bank of Oklahoma has been a longtime um, friend to oil and gas. And with a longtime friend, um, they had an interesting uh, comment on their financial uh, announcements. Let me just read this one little paragraph here. Energy loan balances decreased $138 million to 4 billion or 16% of total loans is the current commodity price environment. Oof. So here is one of the major oil and gas loaning facilities and financial arms. Um, approximately 62% committed production loans are secured by property producing oil. The remaining 38% is secured by property properties. Prime primarily producing natural gas. Unfunded energy loan commitments were at 2.5 billion. This is a significant article for uh, availability of cash for uh, companies. Thought it was really good. Um, I'd hate to be a financial arm investing in that kind of capital. I mean, yeah, because it, as you mentioned, it's, uh, it's, uh, when you've got to yeah. hold reserves or product or wells as uh, holdings, um, that's kind of tough because it's a changing number right now. Yeah, no, it's a lot. There's a lot going on there that that would would, would make it spicy. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it, 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 cash is, is is drying up from all sources. So it's, you know, it's. Unless this unless this price environment changes or people figure out how to go back, I mean, I I, I don't know about you. So if you heard, I don't know. Are people hiring? Is 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 there starting to now? I mean, we've had forty dollar oil for two weeks now. Do you is there is there any chatter on your end about okay now we can maybe you know because I think forty dollars there's you do it right you can make money. Um, they're not going to be drilling again until Q four. 
possibly even next year. And the reason is because of the amount of supply that is still there. Our poor refineries are stuck in the middle because demand curve has not picked up to what it needs. You got yeah. stuff. Our supply is still not there for people to be able to go drill again. So no, the, the employment is not there. Yeah. Um, well, that stinks, but, um, and even the capital is not going to be there. And, and, well, Michael, real quick, um, uh, on, uh, capital, you and I have been talking about this and we've seen it almost on every single capital um, firm out there right now is saying they are tying it to ESG. And Dan is seeing it on the consulting services side. You and I are seeing it. Capital, yeah. uh, we're all fighting over the same capital. And if you don't have an ESG plan and you don't know what you're doing and you're not articulating that ESG out there, you ain't going to get capital. No ESG, no plan, no capital. Uh, Dan's got some uh, ESG consulting he's got going on over there. So uh, we'll put him in the show notes. It's bad. I mean, it's good if you know that you've got ESG plans. No, and you're absolutely right. The, the, the way things are tied nowadays is uh is unbelievable no it's something that that, that that you guys have been on on the on, on the intercom consulting side uh, for a while now and you know i'm just following i'm just reading tea leaves over here i'm just i just i got my nine screens i just look at the data and and try to make some halfway decent decision um i just wanted to run an update on the, the, that you know u.s supreme court fallout you know um McGirt versus oklahoma is all we remember about two weeks ago the u.s supreme court decided five to four that uh um in favor of McGirt versus Oklahoma. It was an issue that dealt directly with criminal enforcement, but it also encompassed this larger view of tribal land rights. This case really focused on whether this Jimmy, uh, Jim C. McGirt, make sure I get his name right, should have been tried in federal court because he's a Native American and the crime in question was that he committed what that the, he committed the crime on a historical Creek reservation. The ruling found that the Creek reservation was not officially terminated at Oklahoma State, and the decision could affect up to 25% of Oklahoma's recent, uh, recent oil and gas wells and 60% of the refinery capacity, all lies within historical tribal territory, according to state data. Woof. So you want to talk, we talk about, an, you know, I'm an economics uh, guy myself, we talk about negative externalities. This is one. Oh, it's, uh, it's a Because I doubt they even had this in mind oh, when they uh, thought about it. The fallout from this is just going to be horrible. Now, I'm going to throw a little bit of blame on the um, uh, Congress. They've had the opportunity to fix this for years, and the Supreme Court now said, you better fix it. And that's troubling because the, in, the tribal relationship in Oklahoma they are important. Uh, the tribes are important people. They are a sovereign nation, and I agree with everything on that. Now, the stinky part is it should have been taken care of years ago. So, um, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think one of the biggest fallouts is mineral rights owners. If you own minerals on on tribal land on this now new qualified tribal land well what happens uh, we don't 
Yeah, we don't yeah. know yet. And that's where, the, you know, I got a quote from the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma. They're like, we're moving forward with the state of Oklahoma, the tribes of Oklahoma's congressional delegation to ensure that our members continue to have stable, predictable, and regulatory and tax environment consistent with their interests. It's critical for the Canadian investment in Oklahoma and that the state maintain primacy with the regulations to oil and gas operations issues and and that issues of title with regard to real property remain unaffected. And that's the key. That's right. Uh, Who are the, now who owns these titles? Because you have, you've dealt with this, right? Oh yeah. Um, I've got uh, land up there and it was part of a Cherokee um land grant that was sold the original owner was a cherokee land grant and i've got the title that it was sold so that's different than, than this yes that's different than this but you you we've you know who, uh, I, who, I had an interview with brad uh mcpherson over it in mm-hmm. and they have a new product called um um uh, 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 o- Oklahoma spacing or open uh, the yeah, 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 some sort of well spacing thing. Uh, it's phenomenal. They've got great data. Embarrass means data. Welcome to data. Uh, don't make a decision without data or embarrass. Now, that being said, uh, they are on it. So, no, it's a great interview. I'd highly recommend. Um, I'm checking that out. It's just another example of. of unintended consequences it'll be interesting to see how it plays out i'm i don't think it's going to necessarily come out to uh i don't think you're going to be stripping oil and gas minerals from landowners but you never know um uh who knows what's going on anymore man are we still having even an election not sidebar like i have heard nothing about are we is there even an election still going to happen do we know uh, Complete sidebar. I just this is something that's been bothering me for like two weeks. Don't get me started on politics. I won't. I just, but like legit. Are, are we show? Is everyone going to show up to? How are they going to do this? Um, I I just started thinking about that. Like if how are you're you're going to tell we're going to send people to the polls? Well, I'm a uh, I'm going to say my opinion is not the opinion of Intercom. My opinion is voter fraud will be the deciding factor. Oh, I feel you. Yeah, I don't know. I just was thinking about the other day. I was like, are we even still having an election? Like, what's going on? No one's talking about that, which is wild. So we'll get back on track, guys. You didn't sign up for this to get our opinion on what's happening in November. So what do you have? Oh, I guess this is the other thing I wanted to talk about. You know, clearly another thing that happened, you know, or you know, lately Chevron buying Noble. That's kind of the the, the big the, the the big issue that happened. I think we've done enough covering of it. I just my question is what does this mean for MA deals going forward? You know, one of the things that Michael Worth said on the call, I and mean, this is sort of funny, he's got he's got the C a former CEO, he just got bought out. So he doesn't care. He's got a fat wallet. He doesn't care. He's got a fat wallet. But on the call, he goes, Yeah, not really a great asset to be selling selling it not a great price environment to be selling assets into talk about a slap in the face to the shareholders no Just, that was a, that was a gut punch about four inches low, about <laughs> to the shareholders because if you look yes. there's a 20 million buyout clause for uh the ceo i don't i don't remember his name but i read the uh i read the buyout clause a change of owner what do they call it? like a change of ownership um clause uh, it was like 19 million you want to cover uh, the one stuff that I had out there on sh- uh, the the purchase on that and what it really means internationally, or just save that part to the international part? Yeah, 
we'll save that on the international side um, because I, I know think that, that that means something all in and of itself. I just I mostly want to say, okay, so this is the deal we've seen. Chevron, one of the biggest players, has actually said it's not a great environment to be selling into. Now that probably means it's a good environment to be buying because there's good deals happening. So the real question is, are we going to see good deals happen? And what does this M and A structure looks like? You know, we quiz Dittmer on it a lot, and I don't know if he, you know, clearly he's not going to go out and he's not going to just say something without he, yeah. he's going to back right. it up again. I, I'm wondering, so do you have anything on your mind? Are, you know, there's been a lot of floated. You know, I've seen some Diamondback. Yep. You know, there's some people floating around some stuff with Diamondback doing some either being acquired by some of these super majors or acquiring somebody to try to move themselves up into that oxy category. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Fang is is really got some uh, interesting stuff going on. But uh, Andrew over at Embarrass said that uh, I'm going to throw the number out because I need to uh, uh, go check the number. But let's say we're a billion dollars down in M&A activity for Q1. Uh, over uh, Q4 of last year's down. Um, I believe that this one uh, Chevron is going to kind of like bust the dam open for more uh, M&A activity. So you're going to see a lot more of that popping up. Yeah, it'd be interesting when the other super majors, no doubt they're already talking with potential acquisitions right now. If, if you don't think that's happening right now, it's just how the game works. They always, it's what all these, that's what you do as a C-suiter. It's all pretty much all you talk about. One of the, the biggest articles that I had a uh, publisher's uh, note on was an article. Uh, I can pull it up, but it uh, revolved around the fact that the super majors were uh, doing a lot of this to put out of business uh, a lot of the smaller players. And it, it, it's they're going to just suck them right on up. So the super major play has been there for a while. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Who's Exxon going to buy? I think that's really the question. Who's it going to be? And I don't know. All right, what do you have on the international news desk for us? Okay, got a couple stories here. Um, international's going to go kind of interesting here. Um, and speaking of political, um, and you take a look at – the Cold War between Russia and China, uh, but the U.S., uh, I sat through a lot of that, and <clears throat> the Cold War sucked. I mean, you had to build up, and we finally just economically ran over them. Guess what's starting again? A Cold War with China. And <sighs> this Cold War with China has oil implications. It has uh, people are going to think that they're going to be able to go buy a microwave. What are the oil implications specifically? Specifically, uh, China is now uh, just uh, put a order in with BP for a ton of natural gas. They've also been buying tons of oil from Iran outside of sanctions. Oh, so, uh, there's the kicker. Yeah, you start taking a look at the OPEC Plus and the OPEC. China is going to be bypassing that, and they're buying illegal oil wherever they can. They are going to be impacting the entire uh, oil price structure mm -hmm. from a supply standpoint. Uh, pretty crazy stuff in this new Cold War coming out. Politically, it's going to be awful 
Uh, Oil-wise, it's going to be a uh, lower level, uh, kind of like a, um, I, anyway, I don't want to even know how I'd say that, but it's kind of like a, uh, a mother-in-law you don't like. It's going to be on the bottom of it right there. Fortunately, I, fortunately, I like my mother. You would make a great politician. That's a great way to put it. Um <laughs> You got another story I'm looking at here. Specifically, yeah. it's a kind of a shoot-off from the, the Chevron Noble. Yes, and speaking of Chevron Noble, this is an outstanding buy for Chevron for the natural gas play. I know that you know that I'm really big on natural gas. The Leviathan field, Israel just had one of the largest uh, plays in the Leviathan field with Noble come up in January and it's right out there. What this is having a problem with is a full fold fight in the EU, Russia, Uzbekistan, uh, all of these other areas, Turkey, are all going after international water rights, uh, international law for these fields. Uh, pipelines to Cyprus, uh, Israel selling gas, it's a mess. Uh, Noble having the first ones coming out, out of the Leviathan field and the pipes coming out, the takeaway is almost done. Uh, phenomenal buy by uh, Chevron on this. And that's why I just want to bring it up in the international side of it, is it's right smack dab. And years ago, we talked about this in one of our earlier expert interviews, is the Russian pipeline being shut off to all of Europe. And, and Putin was over there saying, you will pay my price. Well, all of EU and now everybody else is now buying LNG from the US, buying LNG from everybody else. And Israel went out and, and put this one out. So a big mess, Chevron the winner. No, it, 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 there's so many different little angles in which Chevron comes out, I think, on top here. This was a great acquisition for him. I think, uh, you hit it best, so I'm I'm writing a, a long-term story trying to figure all this out, and I've got an article coming out on LNG for our oil and gas uh, magazine for the oil and gas conference. So uh, stick around; we're going to have some of that. And if you want an advertisement on the oil and gas uh, 25th anniversary magazine, we are. It's gonna... over. It's the deadline's passed. I know somebody. Okay, you know, oh, you know some, I know somebody, you know somebody, I just get, so yeah, maybe it's still open, I just, I know the date is somewhat past, so what that means is get your orders in soon, so that it can be hot off the presses. That's right. Anything else on the news desk, internationally? I'm wiped out. Right. I, I, I'm ready for the, the hall pass, dude. I'm ready for it. Yeah, can it be 2.30 and we be off or something? I've actually got a little stuff to do. Um, so I think that's with that. Let's go ahead and dive into the week, more to the uh, oil levels and what happened in oil trading last week. Guys, as always, this le the segment is sponsored by Sandstone Capital Group. These guys do insanely good research and provide all of the level levels and the trading advice from their Energy Glimpse solution. Just check them out, sandstonecg.com, 949-561-1818. Tell them the podcast sent you. It's the only way we get credit. And really, when we look at the levels for the week on crude, I mean, it was bullish to begin with. I mean, we started the week, we saw 42 high. We've now since kind of fallen below 41, currently trading 40.98. Um, so price structure, I mean, it really, it looks, 
you know, when you look at it from a week standpoint, price structure is bottom. But if you kind of zoom out to about two weeks, we, we, we've seen a drastic increase in the structure still looks bullish. I think now is, you know, to be honest with you, might be a good time to go long if you're interested. And we've kind of moved those levels up each week. Some of the big levels I'm looking at, we're going to, like I said, we moved the bottom up. We went ahead and dropped that 38.18 level that we've always liked. And we moved and we went ahead and resettled bottom 39.09. I don't even think we see that. I think we moved the bottom up um, to really probably 4017 I think is going to be our new bottom when we just kind of look at the price structure at least when we look at the way I I don't even think we'll get below the point of control which is 4064 but it'll be interesting to see how today's trading day goes um really on the, on the upside though I see 4135 is a good level 4154 is a good number top right now will probably 4244 very interesting to see what happens We'll close today here at about 3, 4 p.m., um, depending on what time zone you're in. It means just see what happens this weekend, any news drops and what moves forward. We're going to now start seeing a lot of EMP earnings roll out, and that's what we're going to cover on Monday for the podcast is, you know, we gave our sort of service company outlook, you know, last week when we covered earnings. Now we're going to start seeing some heavy hitters on the on the EMP side and what that means for the U.S. jail business. It'll be very interesting to see what happens, especially, and, and, and what all's going to happen is the sentiment's going to be around the price of oil. If these earnings are down, but price of oil continues to be bullish people are still gonna buy this so um you know currently markets down heavy right now nasdaq down two percent wolf probably some earnings came out we don't know about we'll have to take a look into that um s p down two yeah. down a half a percentage point yeah. dow jones is down a half a percentage point 12 month strip for crude oils up natural gas down it's just early in the trading session though we're only about 30 30-ish minutes into the session being open specifically on the, the commodities and the equity side. So um, long, long, long day ahead of us as we truck forward. Um, when we look at the new EIA numbers for the week, you got some decent stuff here. Cushing crude stocks came in um, um, just a little uh, a little higher than last week, but still tra- or still below their five, uh, five-year moving average. Stocks came in at $536 million total U.S. stocks was about 4.8 million um, above what happened last week. One point, or 11.1 million barrels for U.S. field production, up 100,000 barrels. So some of those wells being turned back on, Stu. Some yep. of those wells are being turned back on. I, like you mentioned, it's not drilling. It's these, you know, some of these new, you know, all that, those shut-in wells beginning to come back on. So 11.1 million barrels were finally utilization, 77.9 percentage points. Gas prices on average, $2.19. If you're listening to us in California, you're not seeing that natural gas price. But uh, all good stuff. Hey, good, good, good. I don't want to interrupt you, but I am. I'm sitting here looking at you read all this off of a new dashboard that you built. Oh, yes. I, I did, yes. I'm following along. This is going to be great for our listeners and anybody on Oil and Gas 360. You did a great job getting this out here. Uh, well, I appreciate it. I uh, oh, I appreciate that. We uh, I spent a lot of time working on these dashboards, and yeah, this is the first week that these dashboards are pretty much live, so it's, I can use them for the podcast now. You know, basically what my plan is, which each of these dashboards, we're going to be rolling them out sequentially here next week. We'll have a rig dated natural gas. I really want to be able to like you know, when when, when you want to know what happened with inventories, there's a bunch of data you want. You want total U.S. stocks. You want the change in the crude inventory levels from last week. You want the change in weekly production. You want weekly production. You want refinery utilization. And you want to know where these stocks are relative to their five-year moving average. 
All of that's available on the single dashboard, include including a historical production, U.S. Pro domestic production graph, which is going to be great. We're going to have a natural gas inventories one, which is going to have all the numbers you want about natural gas inventories. We're going to have a rig count one where you can see all rig counts. It, it's going to be unbelievable. Then we're going to kind of work into moving over to the equity side and pulling some of these energy equity stuff. But I'm excited to launch these dashboards. I don't, Stu, I don't know when you're going to launch the page live yet. But uh, we're ready to roll here. It may be Monday, Tuesday, but I'll tell you what, uh, I'm excited about the financial ones uh, for services that you go out and pay uh, $1,000 a month for. Our subscribers are going to have access to that for about 50 bucks a month. So some Yeah, exactly. That's, that's kind of the cool part is it's going to be a low-cost way to basically get really, really particular and highly granular and highly segmented cus not customized but formatted easy to read financial and energy market data and we're going to be rolling out so many I, after the conference they're going to be just coming in like hotcakes we're going to be kind of taking it a little slow moving up to the conference but we'll be able to we'll have some rolled out specifically for it's going to be awesome i'm, I'm so excited about this nice job michael you know, I mean, guys, you know, the 360 official, the, you know, as we kind of move into the last segment, 360 official, non-official, but still suspended. We've been, you know, to give you a little peek behind the, you know, kind of a little, you know, we always call this inside baseball. Stu and I are in charge of recording all of the pre-recorded interviews for the oil and gas conference that's coming up. Guys, we're so busy. We're running around like chickens with our head cut off. So the fund may be suspe suspended a little bit. I've actually started building mine. I've actually got a... I've, I've taken some positions out and they're, they're active right now, but I don't want to release them yet because I'm still building the other, I, I need to build the other half of it. So we're, 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 we're thinking about it. If you guys have suggestions or companies that you want to be in the portfolio, email me, mtanneronintercominc.com. Tomcat's going to have a little section. Stu will have a little section and we'll have the people's fund. This is what we call the people's fund. You want in? Let us know. We're we're all about we're we're, we're all about taking any picks. The people's fund. The people's. That sounds very communist. That sounds very. It sounds like we're going to end up as the People's Republic of three oil and gas three sixty. Okay, don't get me started on politics. I'm about to get airsick. I feel you. Well, good. Then we're going to get. We're going to let you stop getting airsick, and we're just going to go. On, we're over forty minutes here, so we're going to go and let you guys get back to work. Thank you for listening to us on the Oil and Gas three sixty network. This is the three sixty digital closing bell podcast, guys. Until next time, we'll see you for the digital ticker.